welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 29. Once again with this, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. We got a lot of catching up to do. I know uh, we didn't record it all last week. We had real life going on, so it's all right. We will catch up. Uh, we got Fight Club Night 2 from mm -hmm. the Atlantic City Carousel Room from the Showboat Casino. And coming off of night one where we got the new champion, Nick fucking Gage. And what was your pre-show thoughts heading into this match with the new champion and everything that happened after night one? I was laughing. This show opened up and you see uh, Emil on the mic and you hear, I'm inside, which is perfect after last night's, you know, yes. I'm outside. Um, yeah, Emil, Nick, Ga Nick Gage and uh, everyone, they come out and thank everyone for the support. He said he will be a fighting champion. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has there in store for us. Yeah, and that's kind of how the show starts off. Uh, Nick Gage comes out, gets the love, gets his uh, flowers, as Joey Janela has been craving for. Um, he's the new GCW world title holder. And yeah, I was kind of interested when he said he'll be a fighting champion, as we kind of talked about. That would be kind of uh, something we haven't seen in a while. And a GCW mm -hmm. world champion is someone who's been on most of the shows. And even if they're there, like, either in a match or commentary or just make an appearance to get that belt in front of the crowd. Um, it is kind of nice having it with Nick Gage and I'm going to trust him with his word that he's going to be out every show. And it's kind of a cool thing because right away, like right after this uh, fight club night two, they did announce him right away for the next show in LA. And we haven't really seen Nick Gage wrestle in LA in a long time. So um, with Nick uh, being the champion, I guess he's living up to his word already and is being announced to represent the GCW world title in different cities. So hopefully he will live up to his word and uh, we will see the GCW world title being defended a lot more often. And he comes out, says he's going to be the fighting champion. And then you hear music start playing. And I think he says like, wow, who wants a shot at this belt? Who deserves it? And Sawyer Rec comes out first. Sawyer Rec is like, I want a chance at that belt. I deserve it. Nick Gage, well, what makes you think? And then before he could finish his sentence, uh, Alec Price came out. He said, I want a shot at the world title. So Nick Gage starts liking this. He's like, yeah, that's what I want. You guys need to be hungry for this belt. You need to be out there putting yourself in front of everybody, accepting the challenges, be ready to fight for the belt at all times. And then Leo Rush comes out and says, I want a shot at the belt. So I was kind of interested in what this was going to turn into, but then... It pretty much turns into a scramble, but just for scramble's sake. They didn't really announce, unless I missed it, I didn't hear them announce that this was for anything belt-wise or anything. It was just yeah. to start the night off, which was kind of confusing to me. That's where I'm like, wait, is this a number one contenders match? Is What's going on here? Is this like a legit match? Like, Because after Leo Rush came out, then like the next three competitors did come out to finish the scramble, which was Dustin Waller, Action Ray, and Shane Mercer. And yeah, they just started fighting and wrestling right away without no acknowledgement yeah. or anything. So I was kind of confused on that part. That was an interesting transition. Yeah. Because I, I felt that they would have, uh, well, let's be honest, give you people what they want. He does his outro, so on and so forth. And then boom, here comes everyone in. However, we don't know the situation. It might've been a time thing. No idea. No idea. Um, that's the only thing I have to say about that before the match starts. But yeah, I, I agree. It was just a touch awkward, uh, but I don't know the reasoning. Yeah. There had to have been a good reason. 
That's why I kind of made like I was just like, okay, I'm cool if this like we're gonna find out a number one contender through this through a scramble match. I was fine for, but the competitors in this match kind of didn't make sense for that kind of reasoning to have it be for the number one contenders. But other than Leo Rush, I guess in my opinion, because the name value alone, he kind of has experience and the name value to carry some weight holding the GCW or fighting for the GCW world title mm-hmm. with Nick Gage. So yeah, I was just thrown off right away with all this stuff. I'm like, I didn't understand what, if it was just a scramble, if it was for the belt, but yeah, this match starts and then right away. So like, I'm just in case root for Leo Rush because I would love That's to your see, boy. yeah, I would yeah. love to see him wrestle Nick Gage uh, for the title. So I was like, okay, if this is a number one contendership, I hope Leo wins and let's see something of it because I think a lot of fun could be had with Leo Rush being the GCW title or chasing after it because that's a, such an interesting matchup between him and Nick Gage. But going into this match, uh, starts off pretty much hot. They all fight each other. They all jump out, do the dives outside. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty typical yeah, scramble. Yeah. I, li- I like the um, different variety, too, of this match. I There was a spot where Mercer did a moonsault and battery on Sawyer. If somebody has a chance to go check that out, worth looking up. Sawyer was booked as a powerhouse in this match. Leo makes everything look good that he does. So I, those are the top three things right off the bat I wanted to mention was that. Um, I'll let you talk there. Leo makes everything look good. He, he freaking, he's rocking it. Yeah, I kind of like how he's not having really a outfit or wrestling attire, so to say. He's just coming out with his the black jeans on, the leather jacket, and then the match starts. He takes the leather jacket off and wrestles. So I kind of like how he's switching up his character, which he kind of seems to always do yeah. when he makes these comebacks, which I'm like, hey, if you're going to miss some time, might as well come back fresh and see if it catches on or not because he's so, as you said, he like makes everything look good. He's He is super talented and... Um, I know we kind of talked about last time he it does get a little disappointed when he does takes these breaks or says he's going to retire because of whatever reasons. Um, I've kind of learned to just accept it and be happy to yeah, enjoy yeah. Leo Rush whenever I can. So um, I am. He runs. Excited. He runs hot. Yeah. He runs hot and then he needs to cool down. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it with him. And and that's as much as he feels he can take. And then he gives himself a break when he needs to. And I, I think that's really fair. Um, this next part, I just wanted to kind of talk about for a moment and kind of give you a play by play. And then I'm going to hand it over to you also, because I know you kind of had a little bit to say about it. There was a spot here where Waller, uh, Waller had jumped up on Axton. And by the way, Waller did an awesome job throughout this up and to this point here. He just had a small misstep. He falls and he got his head rattled pretty damn good. So Axton picks him up, but he's out. And I mean, you can see where he's kind of talking just a touch and he's trying to get his body up even just a touch, but he couldn't get his arms up and whatnot. So he he fails and then Axton kind of gets him up for a second time and then does a sit down power bomb into a pin. And Waller is completely out. He does not kick out of the pin. Uh, the referee pulls his hand just to make sure that he doesn't tap the three. Axton stumped as to what to do. Then uh, Price comes over, does a quick stomp on Lawler or Waller and in a way that wasn't a, a bad stomp. It was just a, you know, get the heck out and helps him get out of the ring primarily. But um, I just wanted to let you know what what was what I was seeing play by play on that one. Yeah, as you said, it looked like Waller went for like in that ASF Gringo Loco spot where ASF jumps onto uh gets launched up in the air and lands on Gringo Loco's shoulder, shoulders and then kind of jumps off the shoulders into whatever move a hurricane rana or uh 
sunset, whatever. Like they do the moves off the top shoulder. So Dustin Waller was trying to do this with Axton. It just seems like as Waller was on Axton's shoulders, instead of kind of going down into whatever he was going to, he kind of his body weight. He didn't go like straight up and land on Axton's shoulders. He was kind of at an angle, like away from Axton. So that kind of made Waller not have any footing on his shoulders, and he did fall and hit his head right on the canvas. Um, but Axon was holding on to his feet, so it kind of looked like a power bomb. And then, as you said, yeah, Axon tries to pick him up for another one. And yeah, as we were saying, to me, it looked like uh, Waller was mouthing something to him, but his eyes kind of were like not blinking yeah. or whatever. But I yeah. can see his mouth move, and you see Axon try to lift him. It's like just dead weight at first, and then you see Waller kind of lift his arms up to try to grab the, the arms of Axon to kind of help out. And then Axon does another power bomb, and luckily they survived. Like we were talking a little bit before the podcast but this is why i gotta get confused because like waller lands not a flat back but he lands it so good where his head's up where he doesn't make any connection on the second attempt on the power bomb with his head hitting the canvas so he kind of blocked another further head injury but as he's on the ground the referee's going to max recon too like went for the three count and then saw like hey like what's going on how come he didn't get up and you see him kind of like stop the three and kind of like oh like what's going on is he out what's happened no one broke it up so there was a lot of confusion there, and I don't know. Like I, I love Max Recon. I think he just should. I think he could have done, should have stopped it right then and there. As we kind of seen, this was like right around the time too. There was a lot of sports concussions going on around that time, and concussions were a big uh, issue. And obviously, like last week, what what happened with like Hangman Page on AEW? I just I don't know. Like Max is an awesome referee. He is actually one of the best referees on GCW. I love it because I remember just the Hammerstein during that ladder match. The crazy spots that they were doing on the ladder match and like he was the only one running around the ring holding on to the ladders to kind of help the competitors make sure they have some balance and a sturdy ladder um and that's funny we, we were at a show last night we were talking about like kind of the sturdiness of the ladder match that we saw live yep. in person yep. so it's like i don't think that ladder is going to be good if multiple people are climbing on it because the way the mat was kind of wobbling up and down but yeah i don't know the three count max i i think i want ccs that dustin was unresponsive he should have done more to kind of let the competitors know and hey call for that ring bell call for help and just end it but this is where i get confused because i don't know like what's going on and why didn't he stop the match right away because is this for a number one contendership where whoever wins they need a certain competitor to win and it wouldn't look right if axon ray would have gotten that three count on dustin um with dustin being i'm gonna assume unconscious and that's why he didn't kick out but yeah, there was a lot of confusion. Alec, as you said, did kind of come in. He did kick him, did not in the head, thank God. But the way he kicked him, I was like, oh shit, like Alec, stop. Like someone's hurt. Axton should have even said something like, hey, he's dead weight, stop. Like I just think more could have been done to protect Dustin. But in the heat of the moment, and this, like I said, it was very confusing. Dustin wasn't completely out, out, out of it by the looks of it because he was still able to hold his head up, not take another head bump after being concussed. He took the bump the right way. He looked like his mouth was talking. He reached his arms up to help finish the second power bomb. So um, I just didn't like the way Alec kind of picked him up by the head and tossed him out either. But, I mean, they're all so young competitors. It was very confusing. I think just the way everything went kind of threw it all into shambles because, like, the ref the match, I guess, kept on going. And the referee's like, I called for three. Wait a minute. still going. Everyone's still wrestling. So then... Yeah, the match kind of keeps on happening, and Leo Rush kind of yeah. gets a hold of Alec Price and hits him with a couple, like a little combo, gets Price on the ground and hits a five-star frog splash on Alec Price for the victory. And so, 
you know, Russia's your winner of the scramble match, but just everything at the end was off. And unfortunately, because of the, it was unfortunate because of the injury, but fortunately, Waller at the end, they did. You see everyone kind of give him a, he does stand up and kind of walk out on his own power. The wrestlers all give him, like, make sure he's okay, give him high fives and a clap. And this crowd gave him a standing ovation. But it was all just very weird, which I think could have been handled a little bit better. But that's easy for me to say. I'm not a professional. These professionals are out there and they obviously know what to do. And obviously, luckily, everything worked out where Waller is fine. So I would just kind of got a little queasy watching uh, Dustin Waller kind of be knocked unconscious and grabbed by the head and stuff like that. So, so what I was thinking was that uh, it looked like Axton didn't know that Waller was out. Uh, here was my telltale. When it was time for the one, two, three, if Axton knew that he would have had to, he would not have kicked out of the three because, oh, he's out. He probably would have helped him kick out at two. You know, Axton would have thrown him over like, oh, I'm done with him and keep moving on without even getting the three count. And it looked like the ref was just as surprised, it seemed, as Axton was. And that was weird because it came across on camera to people at home that i mean and we're seeing from a certain distance but we're like man he, something's not right he's not right and um i just i just wanted to say though i i think that if axton did know because i always wonder if people do it on yeah if he knew he probably would have not had that problem with the count there oh, would yeah, not it sure. would not have gone to three if I, dude if i put you up and i put you down and i see you're out and i'm sitting there and it's one two and i know we're not the finish i'm gonna throw your legs to the side you know what i mean Hand off yep play that shit off. So I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, um, if it was on purpose, all the, there, there's, there's no way it's on, uh, you know, he just, I don't think he was paying, he was aware or yeah. I, uh, anyway, um, the one thing I do know for sure, I'm fairly sure that will not happen again. I think that at some point that somebody will have to have a conversation with the referees or there will have to be a large meeting and a contingency plan on how, to handle that when that happens again. And with the way the workers are sometimes with each other in these dangerous matches, it, I'm surprised it's taken this long to know what to do. And I agree with you, Dan, that referee is badass. It's not that he didn't know what to do. I don't think he knew what his boss wanted him to do. And and it wasn't clear. Like, that's why I, I want to make this very clear too. Like not saying like, oh, like it was, he was unconscious. Like what the fuck are you guys doing? It was very difficult. Like, it seemed like he was unconscious, but then Gray he area. protected himself enough where he's yeah. not unconscious, obviously, because he's protected himself. But then to not kick out of the three count and be dead weight, like, it was just also weird. It's like, that's what I'm saying. It's not like, I don't want to knock on Axton or Alec or Max Recon or anybody. Like, I know in the heat of the moment, it wasn't like a very clear, like, holy shit, he's unconscious, guys. Let's stop and make sure he's all right. Kind of like how what we saw in AEW with Hangman, where it kind of was like, hey, man, that's a lot easier, too. There's only two competitors where, boom, you could kind of end it, end it how you want to. And that's where I don't understand if they wanted Leo to win because it was a number one contenders. Then obviously, yeah, you got to get to that finish somehow, some way while protecting Dustin Waller and protecting business. Uh to make it look like credible so they couldn't just like end it off and say hey no winner no contest and then announce leo as the next number one contender which we will get into later the kind of what's happened so um with that ending and that kind of leo being the winner and then being announced as the next compet uh next challenger for nick gage's gcw world title it made more sense after the fact but in the moment i was just like just for the safety of the wrestling it's not worth like continuing and risking Dustin Waller get further injured 
than what he was because of Alec Price lifting him and throwing him out of the ring or the match still going on around him. So it was a lot of, as you say, gray area. Nothing was clear cut. So I think for ultimately it came out fantastic. Waller was able to walk out on his own two feet. He did finish the match and it all kind of came together in a sloppy form, but at least the, all the competitors are safe and healthy. And that's obviously the most important part, in my opinion, of all these matches is getting them in and out healthier. You could fix the storyline at some other time or some other way, but luckily it all kind of did work out, but it did get a little bit scary and confusing there during the middle of this match. Yep. And in retrospect, you have to look at it as, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think everybody did their best. Maybe should have been a touch more alert, but otherwise, I mean, you know, accidents happen. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So I, I will say that Waller was visibly disappointed at the end of this. And I will say that he does deserve to come back again because everything he was doing up to that point looked fan fucking tastic. So I really hope to see him come back again. Uh, the other, other thing I wanted to mention in regards to this was I liked Gage on the mic with Prezak. Really, I would almost say any color commentator because we can't just do that double play by play stuff. But yeah, Gage on the mic with Prezak was really cool to listen to because again, that was kind of the thing I was like with our previous guy with KG was that it was like one of us. It was he could talk to us and break it down to us, but was intelligent enough to understand everything that was going on. This is where I see with Gage where he kind of breaks it down for that tough guy too. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm a whoop his ass. And, da, da, da. and and he has such an entertaining personality. It just works so well with Prezak. Yeah, and I think he did a very good job of kind of raising each uh, competitor in that scramble, raising their profile because he talked them up of as being credible challengers for his belt. He was like, sorry, a wreck. Like, she's a tough... I think he's a guy, like, she's, he's, she's a tough bitch and... But she steps in the ring with the fucking king. I'll make sure that she gets a light tube just like how everyone else does. Because this is my ring. This is my belt. I'm not letting go of it. So him acknowledging like all their, the different competitors in that match as potential uh, challengers. I really liked it. And I've kind of always said I liked Gage on commentary. Um, it's like Especially when he yeah. went to wrestling for all those months. Just throw him on for the death matches. Or this one made sense because they were all now kind of seeing it. It seemed like it was a number one contender scramble match. So... Hearing Nick Gage talk about future competitors was very awesome to hear. And we will go into match number two. As all heart, Blake Christian goes against Shun Skywalker. And I was excited for this after seeing Skywalker for the first time uh, the night prior. And just knowing Blake doesn't really have any bad matches. I thought this was going to be one of these ones that had a potential to be kind of a sleeper of the night to kind of steal the show just because of the talent with these two wrestlers. What was your thoughts on this match, John? Well, <laughs> here we go with these boos again. Blake ended up really embracing him. He has no other choice. That What else can you do? Be shook by it. The more shook you are by this New Jersey crowd, the more they're going to just eat you alive. You know how that goes. Yeah. So he's doing his best to just roll with it. He's obviously a nice guy, you know, so you could see that. <laughs> Even in his reactions to how how he's getting fucked with, he says, fuck you, Blake. Uh, we're getting Skywalker chance, which I thought was fantastic. My opinion is I like Skywalker a lot. To me, he looks like a real wrestler. He has real wrestling proportions. Uh, you can tell by the moves. He's just well trained. Yeah, this was, I think, a better showcase of his talents than the night prior um, of ultimately what he can bring to the table and yeah i wasn't i was impressed seeing him night one but going to night two against blake i was ho hoping we get a more fast pace and a more high flying uh 
Skywalker, and we sure as hell got that. And yeah, Blake Christian, I like that's what we kind of said when he first got booed. Like if he would have just went into it and took it that first night, it would have never lasted for another five minutes or however long it lasted that night. He would have just owned it right away, like how he's doing now. Would have been a lot better for him. But he's learned, he's gotten better, and I like to see him. As you said, he's enjoying it. He's not letting it get to him. He's playing it up to a point while not letting it bother him and still giving all the fans that are cheering for him the love and respect because they are giving him the love and respect. So it is kind of nice seeing Blake play it both ways. So if Blake's going to embrace this heel thing, he needs to have something more to do than just hitting the suck it chant. Yeah. I mean, the suck it pose, because he hit that thing so many times. I'm going, all right, well, it it makes him look unprepared for what he's doing. He's he's just going to have to realize that AC is just going to be rough on him for whatever reason. And that's just going to be how it is. And if he's going to have to learn how to deal with it, then he has to have a little preparation in that because, yeah, 32 suckets or whatever it was really <laughs> didn't teach that crowd anything. It was more exactly like you're laughing, like it's more funny than anything else. Yeah. And uh, he's got to find some ways to really interact with that crowd in a heel fashion because everybody has to. Well, he has to remember Blake has to remember that eight months ago, this is exactly what he wanted. Now he has it and he's working against it. This is the time to turn heel, Blake. Yeah. I like we said, that's what the whole grave heart. I was all for it. If you're gonna go and you're showing me a new character, you're showing me a new side of yourself. I was all for the grave heart. Unfortunately, we didn't get it against Moxley, but I yeah, as you said, like that's kind of if he wanted to be the bad guy, he had his opportunity, but now he's gonna have to Kind of find some way to get that opportunity back and dive full on into the the heel version of uh, the Graveheart Blake Christian. And I kind of hope we do see it. I'd like to see him kind of switch it up and add more um, variety to the character instead of just being all heart, all heart, all heart every time. Because I think it's kind of two, three years of the same thing of what I've seen in GCW, at least two years um, in GCW. I would kind of like to see the different version of a full on heel Blake uh, turn at this point. I did like uh, this uh, one spot. This match was pretty crazy when they did a uh, Skywalker did a sun, not a sunset flip. Um, oh my god, like he was on the t top rope, had Blake, and then kind of went uh, monkey flipped him. There we go, monkey yeah. flipped him. And he flipped him all the way across the ring where Blake like went across <laughs> the ring and like bounced off the ropes because he went completely all the way across the ring. And I loved seeing that spot because even the announcers were like, I forgot who it was. I think it was praise. Like, like he went across the ring. Did you see that? That's the farthest distance I've ever seen anyone get monkey flipped before. Oh, it's MLJ. It was MLJ. That's who it was. And uh, yeah, I love that. was like one of the cool spots for me in this match. This was a lot of great action, great high flying, technical high speed match. But that move, like uh, out of all the moves, a, a giant monkey flip was the one that stood out to me during this match. Yeah, this this uh this had a weird ending, like a weird spot at the end there. So Blake kind of fucked up off the top with a springboard. I believe it was a springboard, and he put both of his knees on accident into Shun's chest and abdomen. And uh that pretty much ended that match one, two, three fairly quick. And it was a touch early, and you could tell. Uh okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I put it in my notes because it's fucking you can catch it on uh Botchamania. So it's on there <laughs> if you have a chance. But he was thoroughly Blake was thoroughly surprised and he's like, Well shit, what do we do? And but yeah. that's that's nothing against either men. Sometimes shit happens. This was a highly freaking awesome athletic match, but uh yeah, that kind of overshadowed it just for a second there. And 
if that didn't overshadow it, it was the fact that this really wasn't Blake versus Shun. This was Blake versus the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I was once again, like kind of fed off until after that, I saw the end of this match. I'm like, what is going on? Like, why is there so many not cleared Clear results happening. I, I obviously I'm gonna give the first match a complete pass. An injury happened that fucked it up. Blah blah blah. But yep. yeah, he hits the 450. Kind of got his knees on Shun, but he goes for the three count. And right before the three hits, Shun kicked out like full, clearly kicked out. <laughs> but the referee still like you see even Blake kind of like cop out of it. Like he did get kicked out. He looked up at the ref like, wait, I won. That was a three. Yeah, raise my hand. Let's go. I got the victory. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, for. The first two matches of this night kind of having botched endings, however they came across, uh, kind of was like maybe kind of worried for the rest of the night because of just the way the show was going with the injury. And this all happened. This was like with the first 40 minutes of the night. All this has happened where first two matches get botched uh, endings and a lot of confusion going on. So I was kind of getting a little soured and worried, but knowing that would be seeing Los Macisos going against uh, Rena and um drew parker later on i was still like okay i'm I'm still excited it's still a good match like hopefully they can start cleaning it up here and figuring out what's going on because yeah that one i don't know like if that if blake was supposed to win it or if soon was supposed to win it because of him being over here so um overall that was a fun match it was a good it was a good match i I did enjoy the match i think what was going on here in my head was that there was going to be an evil referee faction and they're going to be like we're in control you know, and we pick the winners. We push the winners. <laughs> we tell you who to cheer. So on and so. Yep, yep, yep. I'm telling you, someone's going to grab it eventually. There's going to be an evil referee faction that wants to take over the company. Evil and Dick Patrick. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, Patrick and the boys with a V. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's it's it feels so bad because like like you said the the in ring action for the first two matches was incredible. Like Dustin Waller, that was the best I've seen Dustin Waller. Being a GCW rink, he was on point, hitting everything, high flying. It is unfortunate that injury happened and kind of messed up the end of that match. But then, same thing, Blake versus Skywalker. Great in ring, awesome moves, great. The crowd was enjoying it and getting behind it. And then, just the weird ending, it kind of just it just takes the sales out of the first two matches because, like, incredible in ring action, but without uh, clear finishes, it's kind of at that point, from my mind, I'm like, oh, geez, let's clean this up. But, uh, the show must go on, and we'll hop into the third match of the evening as Gringo Loco goes one-on-one with Masha Slamovich. Um, I really kind of liked how Gringo Loco had his own little Loco section. <laughs> uh, that the, was cool. Yeah, yeah, they all had the signs and everything. I did like uh, Gringo getting the love like that because I know we talk about all the time um, how much he's been killing it lately, and it would be nice to kind of see him carry some sort of title around or be a tag champion, extreme champion. Some some sort of gold would look good on Gringo Loco in a GCW uh, setting. And just him, him getting the love from the crowd just kind of furthers our point with that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice seeing other people that we all know that respect and love Gringo Loco as much as we do kind of uh, giving him this moment during Fight Club Night 2. So there was a lot of Masha chants in the crowd, which were more than I was used to hearing and just louder than I normally would have heard. I was really interested in uh, in just how much she was getting cheered over Gringo Loco because, you know, Gringo Loco is a man of the people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's always being cheered. It's never, you know, it, it takes a lot for him to get booed. He's one of those guys. That's 
It was an eight and a half minute match, man. Okay, listen, no lie. Here we go. Masha won with a pile driver, eight and a half minutes. I'm going off the rails on this one. This is the last <laughs> of my heel moment for the day because we started so negative. Oh, there gotta, was just so much craziness going on. You ready? A, we got to get a little clip going go. for heel. Here wolf. we go. <laughs> They're going to happen and then people are going to be so mad at me for it. Okay. What's going on here is that uh, this isn't, this is part of it. Uh, when I was talking about Gringo Loco, for anyone who'd listened in the last couple weeks, I, I'm a person who really thinks that Gringo Loco is someone who should have some sort of a belt on him at some point or another soon. He seems to do a lot of mentoring. He seems to do a lot of calling of the matches in the ring, especially during scrambles. I've seen him do that quite a bit. And I think he's reached a level at his age and with his experience that he should carry something, especially in GCW, because as long as I've watched, he's always been there uh, damn near as much as he could night in and night out, providing us entertainment. So here I am saying, look, I think Gringo needs to come out to gold. He needs to have a strap on him. I think he'd look fantastic. His music is good. His presentation is good. He can deliver a main event match. We've seen it before. And then he goes out tonight and he gets the shit kicked out of him by a build five foot three, 136 pound power striker. So I don't really know if um, if this is going to be in the best interest of Gringo Loco, because I don't think Gringo Loco here really gained anything long term or short term. And I've it's just I'm not into Masha's character. See, I just said it sounds so. I'm not into her character. Honestly, no disrespect to her personally at all. It's just her character. If she comes out as something different, I may very well connect with it. I just say that as of right now, I notice that when we're talking about her over 20 plus shows here, we've seen that that's usually the breath before the big stuff, you know, before the main event. She's also the real wrestling. I can say that. But the problem is, is when you want to be a power striker at 5-3, what happens when someone who's 5-9 is a power striker? Yeah, you were saying uh, Masha as a power striker. Uh, first one that came to my mind was I would like to see kind of her and Soya Rec. I don't know if they've gone one-on-one -on -one against each other. I can't recall off the top of my mind or off the top of my head. I don't remember. But uh, those two were kind of la labeled as power strikers. But as you said, with uh, Masha kind of being on the short end of the hype there and Sorry, Rec being on top, I would be kind of interested to see how that would kind of look out, as you were saying, with the striking yeah. advantages. Um, well, let's see. You have someone who's 6'2", legit. If she wants to power strike someone who's a foot shorter than her, she's going to send Masha across the ring. I mean, completely send her across the ring. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how long you can book a five foot three power striker. Uh, uh, yeah, I just I don't know how the hell it becomes it comes across believable. And again, this is your guy that I have respect for. But this is a Gresham situation where we're supposed to just pretend along with him that his punch is just iron steel and 500 pounds strong. And he's he's he, it's just not believable. And with Masha, she doesn't do a lot of high, high, you know, off the rope stuff. She's not fast. She doesn't do a lot of flippy do's. So what's left? Well, I kind of like the end. They, she did do a pretty cool move. Wasn't I'm such it? a negative no. dude. But... No, I like the end because it was, uh, she did, before she hit the actual pile driver on Gringo, <clears> he <throat> did the, uh, like a destroyer code red from the second mm -hmm. rope onto Gringo, flipped, like hit the, hit the destroyer code red, 
And then um, I think it was a destroyer. Then picked him up and hit him for another pile drive. And I never really seen Masha do that. So I, I'm kind yeah. of on the opposite of your end, which is all good. That's why we that's we, okay. We we disagree on some stuff, and that was one of them. I kind of do like Masha. I kind of I kind of like her presentation a little bit more in Impact. It's kind of more spruced up. The and, mask and stuff. You're saying? Yeah, I I think the presentation comes off better there. But I've kind of always been a fan with hers because I think she does add something different but she's all and a little bit more credible as kind of like i always just saw her as like the R russian spitfire of just like hey don't mess with her mm -hmm. at the bar she's one of those ones that will take a shot slam it down and right in front of you and look <laughs> you in the eyes like okay me and you outside now let's go so I've well, i mean she like might that. have to get on a chair <laughs> she might have to get on a chair to look <laughs> you in the eyes Come on, hey, hey. You're gonna have the wolves no, howling no. at the moon tonight he'll jump hey that's okay that's okay they can i'm just i'm just saying if you think about it i mean you know what happens when someone a foot taller wants to be tough too? <laughs> That's, I would, like, about, I would you know? like to see Masha going against Sawyer. If I have, if they have uh, <laughs> wrestled against wrestle against each other, I do have to look that up because that would be one I would like to see. I think maybe they did in like a JC mistake, but yeah, uh, I do like how Gringo too during these matches when he knows he's kind of going to be the heel, he does a uh -huh. very good job of just going all the way into it and like. Yeah, being the yeah. heel because when the first time I saw it was against Psycho Clown and that was fucking insane. Like that match against Psycho Clown where Gringo Loco went back to his roots and went back to his dirty stream Love ways. It. I loved, yeah, I love a heel Gringo like that. I am all for a heel Gringo if he's gonna be like that and um putting on great heel performances because it just elevates Masha in this situation. Kind of got the crowd more behind her as what we kind of kind of. Kind of figured out what happened between uh, Masha and Gringo, but it was an eight-minute match. Nothing too crazy. I thought it was pretty solid. It was a fun match, and uh, as you said, Masha does pick up the victory over Gringo Loco. That will lead us into our fourth match of the evening, which is a title versus title match as the DDT Extreme Champion Joey Janela defends that belt against Cole Radrick. DCW Extreme Champion. And based off of what happened the night prior, uh, this was a, I thought that was a pretty good buildup. As you said, like we kind of talked about it at first, it looked like it was, they were shooting on each other for a little bit with these punches. Like, hey, like you ain't going to sit. Like, I just like how Cole's like, I'm not taking no more shit. Like, if I uh -huh. can stand up to Nick Gage almost knocking me out, I'm going to stand up to anybody. And so I love that the night before, those two kind of couldn't be separate, had to be separated. And, uh, Hard to contain them, keeping them away from each other. And going into this match, I thought it was a perfect little build from the night prior. And this was a fun match. I thought this was one of these matches Cole kind of needed to have, especially against Joey Janela, to kind of further cement his DCW uh, Extreme title run. Because I've been impressed. I loved, I've loved his uh, title reign that he's had so far. I thought he's done a lot of good stuff in a lot of different environments with the belts, which is always kind of the purpose of the Extreme title. So, uh yeah, this was a very, very fun match with a lot of good storytelling prior, during, and after. So uh, what was your thoughts on this match, John? I wrote down that this match was intriguing. Title versus title. I didn't know how this was going to go, but uh, I just <laughs> I knew that someone was going to lose power and I wasn't going to be thrilled with it. And I know that Cole being kind of the newer guy on the block and not as veteran as Joey kind of had me a little, uh, well, yeah, we'll see how this really goes. Uh, I was leaning the opposite there. I was thought for sure the really? way Cole was been kind of winning and being pushed. I thought maybe uh, yeah. he'd, be, he'd be the one that would get the victory. I'd have loved to have seen that. 
but this is the one and i also wrote this down right in the beginning was i'm interested in the ending to this story not only the match but i'm interested in where this goes from here because someone's holding two titles how in the hell is that going to go uh we also have ddt coming stateside uh that was a nice little wrinkle that we yes. found out a couple of weeks later that kind of made it all make more sense during this match and i'm all for it yeah I, I like the day one brawl that they had with each other kind of thing and it's just stuck with them janella had flames on the back of his head and wrapped around his head kind of like spray painted into it I that was it. uh the, stylish what's the city that he's from the same place that oh my god is uh ash uh, Ashbury, Ashbury Park. Yeah. Ashbury Park. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I like when he does that kind of those little callbacks. Yeah, the Ratty Daddy chants were fucking crazy. He's over. I mean, he is over, no doubt. And if there's a uh, the crowd that is he's over with, it's the AC one who kind of got him to that yeah. status. I loved it. That was that big back and forth brawl. Doors came <laughs> out, short, uh, chairs came out, ladders came out dueling chance the first three minutes were a shitload of slaps and chops these guys were just lighting each other's chests up the next few minutes after that was a quite a bit of wrestling here here go with the spitfire minute five the scooter comes out <laughs> cole gets the scooter off of big vin and fucking gets on it and goes around the uh the carousel room and then goes and kicks janella with a big old scooter boot and uh knocks joey across the floor i thought it was fantastic uh minute six cole was slammed twice onto a ladder minute seven janella went through a door minute nine joey was uh making this chair platform that was just uh beautiful and uh minute 10 it got turned around and cole put little sebastian's curse onto those chairs on janella minute 12 janella hits ddt on cole into a double foot stomp from the top rope here we are with Ratty Chance, and I'm noticing Ratty is getting booked tough as fuck, which also worries me because that lets me know that if he's losing, at least he looks good. Yeah. But if he's winning, where in the hell is Janela to go? So I'm I'm like, okay, we're we're going somewhere here. Minute 13, Cole was eating door shots like crazy. Janela was getting all kinds of booze for fucking with Cole like that. Uh, almost like the fans know there's a rally before the loser, uh, before that loss. It almost notices like the fans even know now when there's that Hulk out that, and then, you know, it's only 15 to 20 seconds later, they're done for. It's almost like the fans kind of knew it because he was beaten on Cole and it came up, but yeah, minute 14, Janela put his own head through a door. Cole hits Janela with the air raid crash through chairs. Minute 15, we were getting fight forever chance, which I thought was amazing which ended up with our winner joey janela with a quick roll up after a superplex fantastic freaking uh i just it was a good match overall 15 minutes and 42 seconds who is now our ddt extreme and gcw extreme title holder so congrats joey janela and a tear for me on cold man because yeah that's my dude and i i'll be honest with you i still was this was a on purpose confusing ending which i i'm all for this one uh -huh. because uh yeah when they hit the superplex they both land and then you see them both lift up their feet to kind of cradle into each other um looks like to me it looked like both of them were on their shoulders down so i thought oh that's how they're going to book themselves out of it calling it a double tie or a tie where no one went a double pin so that way they each got to kind of keep their own belt no one took a loss mm -hmm. and they could kind of go maybe their own separate ways with their own titles during this 
But uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised when they announced Joey as the winner because I didn't think it was as clean as uh, or as clear as it looked or or clear as the referee made it look like because he just pinned the shoulders and even Cole like ran away. What it didn't look like he won. He just like got up from the pin dejected. So, I mean, yeah. I guess obviously that was obviously the plan finish, but I did kind of like the kind of the, co the confusing on purpose ending because for a minute there, I was like, there's a tie. There's, there's no way. And I was waiting for another referee to come out and say, Hey, no, you were just looking at Cole's shoulders. You didn't see Joey's right there. So, uh, unfortunately, yes, I am a little disappointed that Cole cannot keep this, uh, this little run going with the GCW Extreme title because he's kind of, I think he did really good of elevating it while also elevating himself with it. I don't think he was done being the title holder. I thought there was some more stuff that could have been, been done in my opinion, but uh, kind of knowing what we know now than what I knew that night, I am intrigued on seeing what's going to happen because as you said, uh, a couple weeks later, this was this weekend We're we're a couple weeks behind on this fight night, but, um, uh, Couple DDT. days. Couple what are you days, talking couple, about? A couple hours. <laughs> uh, DDT. <laughs> DDT. <Sorry. laughs> no, you're good, man. Is going to be showing up to the collective uh, this year or next year at 2023 in LA. So DDT will be doing two shows in the Ukrainian Culture Center during collective. So that kind of makes it kind of seem like Joey's going to be holding on to that title probably until then. Um, Hopefully, because of that, he still will do some stuff with the extreme title because I, like I said, I really liked what Cole was doing with the extreme title. It seemed like that's, it seems to me like that's kind of like the quote unquote workhorse belt in this company where it's like, that, yeah. that's the one being defended the most, which is, I'm fine with um, making that kind of out there because it keeps, makes these matches more interesting. People get more invested into title matches and stuff like that. And uh, Cole definitely did that for us on our end. Uh, enjoying his run so this was a fun match i loved it very entertaining very joey janela perfect uh cole radrick I, like i said this was one of these matches i think he kind of needed i was kind of hoping he'd win to kind of cement his uh his extreme title run a little bit further but him in a loss still i'm kind of interested to see where he goes from here like go back to just doing scrambles does he make the full jump into do the ultra violent does he go for the ultra violent title is he gonna Get a match with Nick Gage since <laughs> get a little payback from when he knocked him out a few years ago. Like, I don't know. I'm Cole has a lot of stuff, but it could still happen. And uh, I'm interested to see what's next for him in GCW. Joey, DDT. Um, yeah, there's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun having DDT out here and stuff like that. So hopefully, Joey's still going to rep the extreme title quite often in between now and collective while also still doing stuff for DDT extreme title as well. But I enjoyed it. This was a fun match. This was one of these ones where it could have like another little sleeper on the card where I thought it was a very well done match. And 15 minutes, I was not the Joey Janela 25 minutes, but I'm fine with it because it, it was a lot of action. It was not, not a lot of stalling. There was a lot of action, a lot of weapons, a lot of creativity using these weapons too. So I enjoyed every bit of this match and except the ending. <laughs> I wanted Ratty Daddy <laughs> to win, but it's all right because I think I was kind of hoping... The reason I was thinking Cole Radrick would win too, I thought maybe this would be the time to for Joey to kind of drop that DDT Extreme title and kind of go after Nick Gage because I think he's one of those ones that is a uh, contender for Nick Gage's title belt. That will lead us into match five of the evening as Team Bussy, Alley Cat and Alley Catch, sorry, Alley Catch and Effie 
going against the team of Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. And they are still wearing the same outfit, uh, matching outfits from Japan, which I loved seeing because we talked about it before. So it's kind of nice seeing that they are going to kind of be wearing matching outfits when they are in teams, which is always going to add more credibility to the tag uh to the tag team, and I thought this was one of these matches where if Jordan and Nick win, it would kind of elevate them up into the GCW tag title scene where they kind of were before the Art of War games where it seemed like those six teams or five teams kind of uh, dominated the tag scene, and it's kind of still are, <laughs> as we will cover in the next couple shows when we go over the Columbus, uh, the Columbus shows that they did and Detroit shows. But uh, yeah, I thought I was excited just to see Hopefully Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver get the victory and kind of push themselves further into the GCW title scene after this. And as we were kind of talking about this last episode, maybe this would be the good time for Effie and Ali Cat to do kind of like a little split of Team Bussy for a while and bring it back when necessary. So I had a lot of options in my mind that was going to happen during this match. What was your thoughts going into this match? Um... In my head, I was picturing them getting into these outfits, going through their match and going, you know what? We kind of really like these things. And in my head, I was picturing they go across the ocean and they just haven't gotten out of them since now. So, you know, I just figured for some reason, I don't know, it's just something funny. Um, Oliver and Wayne, of course, looking great together. I think you can quote me that. You could probably even put it on my gravestone because I feel like I've said it at least once every every time they've been together out there. But they really do. This was an odd face versus face matchup, so I was expecting more of a lighthearted match with some good wrestling in between there. I was really surprised how well Oliver and Effie were working as opponents against each other. It looked really damn good. And for a while there, Effie was really hanging with these young guys. Not for a while. He, he was really hanging with these young guys. A 10-year difference on one and a 15-year difference on Wayne just off the top of my head. I... Uh, I was really surprised by all of that. There was Bootsy Chance too, so this wasn't like just one little one little one-sided thing. I was noticing Eprazak was saying young pillars. I do like that to a degree. The problem is for pillars, that means it's holding up a house, and that's fair. But the problem is we're not going to see Wayne in two years from now. Yeah. So it's hard to put something like that down. So I would maybe see if we can go with another name because it would really, really be a bad thing for him to just move on with his future. And there will be fans going, well, he was a pillar. Just saying. <laughs> I heard that they, they did a uh, kind of on one of these shows this, this last week in either Detroit or Columbus, they did announce, they came out as the, uh, they never announced as the young pillars, but I think it was Dave praise. Like again, on commentary said, here comes the young pillars. Uh, so I, I was like, God, I, I don't know. I, wasn't a fan of the nickname. I think they could do better. I don't know of anything better at my in my mind, but I, I kind of hope they do come up with something here soon to kind of more uh, make the team feel like a team and have a same common name and stuff like that. But them getting the matching outfits is a good starting point for me right now. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I hope they do something because just saying Oliver <laughs> Wayne all the time just doesn't roll off the tongue as much as if they had something. So I hope they find something fun them to have together i don't i don't know what it'll be and i didn't have time to sit here and think up with something cute but yeah i'm looking forward to seeing if they if they can figure out something this uh the doomsday sack rider by effie was just fantastic uh there was a place where wayne hit a cutter out of nowhere i like the fact that there was the like the surprise aspect of it so 
he was just in this you know it's just i'm noticing what can happen here is as long as wayne can turn his body 188 80 degrees at one time he can pull off that cutter so i kind of i'm looking around going he could pull off a cutter almost from anywhere in the middle of the match and i'm like oh shit he could end this thing in the middle of any part of, you know like i'm starting to see what that cutter can really do and wayne kind of opened it up a little bit when i saw that cutter out of nowhere in the middle of the ring too it wasn't like there was a jump to the outside or somebody had to be on the top rope or yeah, yeah just boom i i uh going back to what you're saying effie effie was looking really good in this match that's kind of Hell what yeah. i hate when uh not hate it but i like sometimes effie's in ring kind of gets overshadowed when he kind of does those little spots that he does that kind of gets a lot of mm -hmm. uh a lot of attention online because I think it takes away from like he is really a solid wrestler. And I think I was saying this this last episode where he's like been doing very, very good lately, as in my opinion, of putting on great matches, whether it be longer matches, tag matches, or shorter matches against legends, youngs, young up and comers, or veteran wrestlers. So, uh, Effie's been killing it. And yeah, I, th I thought during this match that stuck out in my mind too, where Effie's holding his own here and I'm liking like to see Effie do that as we were kind of talking about like with him and Ali catch Ali catch kind of we like when see Ali catch kind of start holding her own in some of these matches and I thought this was one where all four wrestlers as you said this was entertaining great and all four I think competitors stepped it up here and put on a great show so there was about a minute and a half maybe two minutes where it was just a complete spot fest between all four wrestlers it's completely worth watching I say this a hundred times but yeah go watch it it was really entertaining it was followed by like a flurry of exciting tag team moves by Wayne and Oliver. 100% worth seeing. Allie chance for beating up both opponents. There was a spot where she's kicking the shit out of both Oliver and Wayne. So it was nice to hear those Allie chants. And then around 10 and a half minutes in, my buddy, you're fucking, yeah. This motherfucker. Charles Mason out of nowhere hits Allie and then just chokes her out. And she starts foaming at the mouth and... They basically called the match from there. It was no contest because of Mason interference. And yeah, be before that interference, they were having a hell of a match. And I was wondering how they were going to finish this. And I got my answer real quick. Yeah, that <laughs> out of all the time, this asshole interferes in matches that I usually don't really care. This was one of those ones. I was like this. I literally said like when I saw him come out, I was like, this motherfucker's going to ruin this match. Like, <laughs> I was so mad at when he came out. Like, I usually don't get mad. I like the surprise and stuff, but not during this match with Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver, especially how they were kind of killing it with uh, Team Bussy here. I was expecting, like, I would, either way, I wanted to see the ending of this match because if Jordan and Nick Wayne, I think that bumped them up to the top of the line. If Team Bussy wins, and I think they're up at the top line of getting another rematch for their tag titles. Um, but I was enjoying this match. I didn't want it to end, even if it was kind of like, it did feel like it was getting close to the end anyway. So I was excited at that point. But when that damn Charles Mason came out like this, I legit like was so, I was like behind my, if I was like in person, I would have been like screaming and hooting and hollering. Cause I was like, even at home, I'm like, God damn, what a waste of a good match. And for no reason, no results other than to get him over, which I'm cool with. I don't mind it, but Personally, because I had a rooted interest in this match, I was wanted just to see an ending. Didn't matter if who won. I just wanted to see it go because this I was getting and enjoying this match because it was fun. All four competitors, like I said, stepped up. They did a fantastic, entertaining match, and I wanted to see what was going to happen at the end of it. But that was one of those ones that came out of left field because I did not expect Charles Mason to let alone one show up during this match and two for 
a uh, reason I'm not aware of, go after Alley Catch. So seems like Charles Mason just seems like he needs to pick on people smaller than him. So he's going after all the freaking women instead of fighting somebody his own size, which I kind of would like to see him kind of start doing more of uh, and more often. Okay, so I'm right there with you. I am really curious. And why the hell is he pretty much always just messing around with women? That is a really interesting thing that I'd like to know what's what's happening there. Of course, Mason getting his asshole chance and leaving. I'm a fan of Mason, but this storyline so far is eh, because, again, he's only beating on women pretty much and unexpectedly when they're in the middle of their matches. So I'm sure it's going to go somewhere. I'm just not exactly sure where yet so i'll be looking forward to that storyline um ali is best as a tag wrestler i'm sold on it i don't think many people can tell me otherwise and convince me i'll listen to it uh but for me it just seems like she needs the break every now and then or she needs that help every now and then but it's just like she she needs that extra whatever that tag a tag team partner can give her and she does so much better with it and she's such a good partner also. So I really thought that I just mentioned that to where I, this was the match where I said, you know what? Like, this is so much better Allie than just watching an Allie match alone versus, you know, insert whomever here. But in the end of this, everybody came out to help Allie because that's what, uh, that's what we should do. So <laughs> they went out there and made sure that she was safe from the big, bad Mr. Mason. And uh, yeah. 10 minutes, 10 minutes that um, I wish we could have gotten a fair ending on because at, up to that point, man, like Effie was rolling with the young guys and Allie's kicking ass, you know, Oliver and Wayne are fucking putting on a show. And yeah, if you want a spoiler type, this was really, I mean, everybody was at their peak. We're all feeling good. You, me, all of us. And then crash. Yeah. And hey, man, cool. I mean, that's it what hurt, we hurt the feelings for a minute, you know? I mean, that's what we kind of been saying. We kind of want these spoiler types and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. God damn it. If Mason did it happens. Yeah. God damn it. If Mason didn't give me what I wanted it. I never before never dude, wanted dude. it before or don't want it anymore. After seeing that stuff, I did not going to call for Mason to come out and spoil anything. Cause that was a fun match that he just ruined. And I'm very disappointed that we didn't get to see who the winner is in that match and what, who dude, gets the next a, a couple shows. A couple shows ago, I said, remember, I said he's perfectly fine to spoil, just not my storylines. <laughs> right. He can spoil whatever the hell he wants to, but he cannot spoil my storyline. I have so. that same sentiment now after this match. Mm -hmm, motherfucker. Yeah, that was fun, though. I, I do. I, as much as I didn't like how we didn't get an ending to that kind of awesome match, I don't mind it. I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. I kind of hope they do more stuff. Kick the shit him. out of him. Yeah, but kick they, the shit out of him. It seems like they only use him out in the East Coast when they're in New York or when they're in AC. I would like to yeah, see them. Maybe he has felonies and he can't travel. Uh, that's some other person that we can't. Uh, He's a, we can't well, mention I'm just that, saying that comes on here I'm, when we cover the JCW show. <laughs> well, when Mason's when Mason's a bad guy, you know, maybe he's so bad he's got real shit going on, and you know. <laughs> He dresses well for a bad guy. Maybe he's got his shit together and he's gotten in trouble before. Yeah. I, you know, maybe he's on a no-fly list for, for running his mouth, or maybe he's got that weapon. That I'm about to say, yeah, he tries taking that piano wire onto a plane, and they're like, no, you can't fly here, sir. And then he's on the TSA yeah. watch list now because of that. <laughs> yeah. I would just, yeah. If they are going to do this, like kind of how we say about uh, the South Pacific Savages, mostly Jacob Fatu, kind of like he's only showing up when they're on the West Coast. So if they're, I kind of like it. If you're gonna have two people kind of like 
We want the monster Haas that just ruins everything. And for our East Coast show or for West Coast shows, let that be Jacob. For East Coast shows, our big spoiler and big hated guy that we are going to root against is Charles Mason. I'm I'm cool with that. Now we just got to. So you're someone. saying they got you're saying they got spoiler heels, huh? Uh, we just now mm. need, need to find someone to do it mm. in the central part of the Good. United States of uh, United States of America because we got the East Coast with the South Pacific Savages, the East Coast with Charles Mason. We just need to find someone in the central area of america that will be able to Hood ruin foot. indiana it's an indiana boy i was talking to him just a couple of days ago i see you want to love hood foot that's the problem but let me tell that's you he can be a mean motherfucker say. too that's what i'm saying you can't I, beat that dude can't, it's going to be hard to root against hood that's exactly what i was uh-huh. going to think and that's why i kind of stopped my sentence i'm like but we want to cheer for hood foot we don't want him to be the spoiler so yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good point, though. But he also has a size where it would make total, complete sense where, hey, motherfucker's like, no, I am the king of the deathmatch here. This is my area yeah, out yeah. here in the Midwest and Central Central America. So I, I like it. I like how they have stuff to do. I just kind of hope I can't wait till Charles Mason gets his comeuppance. <laughs> that's really up and under the skin, huh? Yeah, I was really- I, I legit. I was like legit. Like, I think I threw my headphones off and I, I think I like legit said like this motherfucker, like and threw my headphones off. Like, uh, why you we need to schedule it? an interview. <laughs> we got to schedule an interview. That's it. I don't think we I'm going to get you a Patreon. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going <laughs> to we'll figure out something. We're one of we'll those poor folk he doesn't like talking to. I know. <laughs> fun, uh, though, fun, entertaining match. I enjoyed it and definitely would like to see them come run that back at some point or do something with it. But uh, as we see in the next couple shows, there the tag title is in full, uh, the tag scene is in full motion. A lot of fluidity, a lot of teams vying for that championship. And uh, we will see what's next for team Bussy, And we will see what's next for the young pillars, Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. And that will lead us into our sixth matchup of the evening, which is a very intriguing one to me after seeing Yamato for the first time night one. Yamato going one-on-one with Speedball. And anytime I see Speedball, I know I'm in for a great, fun, entertaining match. And uh, seeing a guy as Yamato, kind of what we saw in night one, being kind of more the tranquilo, let's keep it easy, don't go crazy. And now you got Speedball, which is the complete opposite of let's go, go, go. (laughs) So I was interested in what kind of pacing this match would have. And yeah, Yamato's one of these where I want to see him a lot more. A lot more on GCW Wrestling. He is, I like his character, presentation, his calmness, kind of how he looks down on us American fans. It kind of seems like of like, why am I out here? As you have in your notes here, I'm going to steal it right there. The Dragon Gate, like I'm a Dragon Gate legend. Like why I don't yeah. need to be here for you, you Americans. You don't appreciate me. Um, Yeah, I do want to see more Yamato and Yamato versus Speedball was absolutely awesome and amazing. I loved it. What was your thoughts on this match? Every now and then I was seeing where Yamato was having fun in this match. You could see Mm -hmm. a point where they even. okay, so they almost went immediately to the outside and started brawling in this, you know, in this match. And you could see where um, Bailey's like kind of doing like a little (laughs) couple shots here and there on Yamato and the camera kind of turns back around on Yamato just for a second. And you can see the fans kind of laughing because he must have said something funny. And it was like, you could just see him smiling and having fun. And I know if Yamato was supposed to be a bad guy here, he didn't hide it very well at times. Uh, 
But he did spit beer on Bailey, and that's a total heel move. So we have to watch out for things like that. Um, I love how Veda, oh. sorry to interrupt you. I love how Veda no. on that part goes like, he doesn't even drink beer. <laughs> like, don't spit, yeah, don't spit yeah. beer on him. He doesn't even drink beer. Yeah, I don't think that's his style, man. <laughs> uh, faster pace action, as I expected. The pace of the match and the temperature of the room from this point forward really picked up. You could feel in this match that even the quality of the wrestling picked up. Yeah, I thought, as you said, you expected a faster pace. I was very interested to see what kind of pace this match was, as I said at the beginning. I thought this would be a struggle of, like, a cool, like, storyline struggle of, hey, I'm Speedball, wants to keep the moving, keep the fate past, oh my god, keep the pace fast and stuff like that. And I could just see Yamato mm -hmm. kind of like, no, we're going to slow this down. We're going to chill. I got control. You're not going to have any, you're not going to dictate my boobs and my actions and stuff like that. So I was kind of interested in the struggle of what would happen. But as you said, yeah, I did surprisingly was a way faster pace match than I thought. And it was cool seeing Yamato, uh, sorry, Yamato wrestle that kind of style. Cause it's totally different than what we saw in night one. I really did like seeing a real Japanese style performer up against Bailey and how that matches up against his, his style. About five minutes in this match, and it turned into more of a Smash Mouth style. There was not as much high flying after that point. It was more strikes and kicks. Bailey did look very comfortable in this match with his opponent, and that was nice to see. I, I, I don't like seeing mismatches sometimes or people who are uncomfortable. It just seemed like Bailey could flow with Yamato quite a bit. I loved seeing the tornado kick. That's my favorite move by Bailey. I don't know why. I think it's just the child in me likes to see flip, 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 <laughs> you know, like around. But um, Yamato is a solid performer, opponent, and his sleeper suplex oh is crazy looking. You swear he's going to yeah. break his goddamn neck, you know? He, he dropped loved it right on his head. I loved it. I love Beta's reaction. Like, I don't, typically, I would not want. <laughs> Beta, no, I would typically not just Beta. I typically would not want someone's spouse to be on commentary during their match. Doesn't matter what they are. Mm -hmm. Like I just would not because the bias and stuff like that. Um, but I love how when she's commentating Mike Bailey's matches, where you it does come out with the bias, but like she's like, you dropped him on his head. Like that's don't do that. That's my right, husband. Right. That kind of stuff. So she makes it worthwhile for me where I do enjoy her doing that. Where typically, like I said, I would not want normally that kind of stuff because it skews the fans reaction stuff but she does such a great job of for the most part staying uh, uh non-biased 50 50 calling it down the middle but when she kind of dives into speedball i think she provides a lot of insight on speedball's training his background his history and i think she adds a lot to his matches and kind of give us kind of catching us up to speed of what we've missed over these years where he wasn't in America for wrestling for a while. So I think she, that's where I really love her as a commentary for his matches because he is catching us up on Bailey's training, his what he's doing, what he does outside the ring, his likes, his dislikes. I think it just adds more to the character, which we kind of need. I like to see Speedball kind of grow in his character, like other than just being fantastic in the ring. I would like to see him more vocal and face like his facial reactions i always go to suzuki when he wrestled against suzuki because his facial reactions during that match was phenomenal and you can just tell he loved getting his ass whipped by suzuki and but he was like come on come on i want it i just i want to see more character come out and more um like expressions from mike bailey and we're getting it and i love it and yeah this veda calling that when he got spiked on his head was made it to me seem like a lot more like oh she did not really like that and it shouldn't have landed that way no, no, no. 
our uh, our winner here was Yamato with the Galleria. 15 minutes and 13 seconds of ass kicking fucking excitement. Honestly, I was I'm really thankful and I really enjoyed the fact that GCW brought this to the fans. This was a nice uh this was a really fun enjoyable matchup. I I'd like to see him again in other uh in other matchups. I'd like to see what he could do. Yeah, this yeah, uh, Yamato, I am like I definitely want to see a lot more of him. I still kind of want to go back and check out his Dragon Gate stuff to kind of see what he's really about and kind of put his character more piece it together more than what I kind of know from just these two matches because I I kind of like his he reminds me excuse me um he reminds me of a little bit of Naito from New Japan where he's like always in control like he's I think he doesn't overexert himself he doesn't get too excited he's always has control of everything he knows what to do he's going to going to keep the pace that he wants to and I, I I'd want to see a lot more of him because I think he adds a lot to these matches and his character seems to be pretty cool in my opinion and that will lead us to match number seven. And this was, the, to me, my most looked forward to match of the weekend. As we have the King of Freedom world title up for grabs as the champion Drew Parker defends the belt against Miedo Extremo. But I was a little disappointed coming into this match knowing what happened to Extremo. Uh, video the night before with the injury i was kind of seeing how that would kind of affect him and uh but right it hurt i think he like still separated his shoulder twice during this match even on top of everything from the night before so oh no yeah it's kind of crazy seeing how much he how much pain he puts himself through to put on these amazing matches that him and ciclope have been doing and yeah for me this was the this was one of my dream matches i've been dying to see for a long time and i loved every bit of this match i enjoyed it this was everything i'd hoped it would be fantastic violence great storytelling awesome moves and just lots of violence that these two competitors brought to the ring what was your thoughts on this okay so i have quite a few thoughts in this match i'm going to kind of hold them off to the end i'm going to do my good old spitfire here because we are looking at a death match so it did not take long for this thing to kick off pretty crazy minute one parker has darts he spends the next minute parading uh, Miedo around the ring and using his darts on him. Minute two, gusset plates goes into Miedo's head. Minute three, Parker threw a pane of glass and then a gusset on Parker's head. Minute four, light tube bundles coming out. Both use them. We're going to skip ahead just a little bit because these guys actually know how to wrestle. So there's wrestling in between here. Minute six, Parker has the crimson mask. Parker goes through two sets of doors on the floor. Miedo is heavily favoring that injured shoulder. Minute eight, Parker hits a swanton onto Miedo to go through a door. Minute 11, Parker hits swanton through a pane of glass onto Miedo, then kicks bundled of tubes into Miedo's face, which gives us our finish with Drew Parker as the winner at 11 minutes and 52 seconds. And I know I spit fired it, but there was so much going on in this. Dude, so much. Yeah, uh, that's the only bad thing. I That's what I was kind of saying at the beginning with Medio, uh, Medio's uh, shoulder injury. I was kind of seeing how that would damper the match. While yeah. it didn't really damper the in-ring quality, I think. I th I do think it kind of affected the time. Uh, uh, as it was like an almost 12-minute match, I thought these two could have gone on for a lot longer and I would have been absolutely here for it and loved it. Um, their facial reactions were freaking amazing. Um, I just kind of call back to when he 
through Parker hit that swanton to the outside and you just see uh, Medio just stand right up and no sell it and you see Drew Parker he lands he's like yeah yeah you guys see that and then he you hear the fans just start going nuts and like Drew Parker's <laughs> like wait a minute that's not for me and you see him like stone face just kind of turn around and you see Medio there just like hulking up and no selling it and Drew Parker's so fucking good I I want to see him I he's got to be in my opinion he's the next person to carry this W flag to mm. crazy heights I think I because he's so young, so good, he's so talented. I think he could elevate GCW to the like. I don't know where they want to go next level, quote unquote. But my God, I just don't. Between these two competitors, just the, in general, I have not seen a bad match that either of these two had. And I just think with the talent that we've kind of talked about, with uh, Los Macisos being back, then bringing in Rena a little bit more, and now Drew Parker's coming back to the States and now with kind of stuff opening up a lot more in other countries and how them traveling all these places like this ultra violent division or just the, I, I, I would put Drew Parker in the title picture and have him be the one that beats Nick Gage is kind of like, Hey, I'm passing the torch to the next King. Ooh, or, that's or an the, interesting thought. Or the Prince. I, I don't know if I've heard him called the Prince before or not, but uh, I would love to like, I kind of like picture him as he's the next in line to kind of dethrone hmm. the King and kind of, be the flag bearer for this brand and i'm all full i would love it because this this, this match was incredible like i wish it would have gone on longer but for what it was the 12 minutes a lot of violence great wrestling as you said um like just general in-ring wrestling not just always deathmatch moves uh, or deathmatch yeah, yeah. uh weapons and stuff like that like i'm just so infatuated watching these two wrestles wrestlers compete and as uh at the end as you said drew parker does pick up the victory I think you said that. If not, I'm spoiling. Drew Parker does pick up the victory, but at the end, you see Medio like, "Hey, one more time when my shoulders all healed up. Like, I want it. I want the next shot. Like, we got to do this, run it back." And I'm all for it. I want to see Parker go against Ciclope. I want to see. I want to see Parker go through everybody because, like, this was fantastic. This was like I said, the match of the weekend for me was this one, and it did not disappoint. Other than the timing. Mm. Yeah, Parker's on the road to being a legend. I, I'm just saying. He's on the road. I'm not saying anything more than he's on the road to being somebody who's going to put down a legacy in the long run, as long as he stays healthy and makes the right decisions. Because <laughs> at his age, I think he's 24. Yeah. He's, he's just, he's done so much already. And he's out there with people who are 10, 15 years older than him. And he's just putting it down. And I wanted to say it was cool too, that, Miedo came back in the end of this and he said that he did want another shot for the title once he's healthy. And I thought that was really fantastic. And I think it's fair because he's damn good and he just couldn't be a hundred percent that night. Um, and, and, uh, oh, so much respect for him to working injured like that. I get out of bed wrong. I can't walk straight him. <laughs> he's separating shoulders and he's still picking up people over his head. Yeah, I that's why I've been kind of like was so excited when Los Macisos got announced as kind of coming back to GCW because I've seen them kind of just go at it and just put any fears or worries or caution to the wind. That's all gone and they just want to put on a great show for the fans and so does Drew Parker and yeah, I I can't wait to keep on watching all these wrestlers compete against each other because they're there's this whole night, this I think of the other two nights, this was way better than night one just because of the in-ring action 
the names, ultra violence, and kind of everything that happened. It had a rough start, as we talked about the first two matches and the kind of the weird endings. But after that, I this whole card and all the talent on it was so amazing to watch, and I I loved it. Like I said, we got uh, coming up after the next match of the main event against Rena and C, uh, Ciclope. Like just with those four competitors, you add in Cologne, Murdoch, uh, SGC. There's a lot of stuff that's being out there that's could be done, and we still haven't even touched some of these matchups. So I cannot wait for these matchups to kind of come to fruition over these next couple shows and kind of enjoy all the great talent that GCW has right now in the ultraviolet division. That will lead us to match eight of the evening, as it is a six-man tag match as the second gear crew, Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice. Going against Jimmy Lloyd and the team of Wasted Youth, which is Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers. And yeah, we kind of were talking about Wasted Youth uh, what, on the last, I think it was Settlement Series show or JCW show, where they mm -hmm. kind of got super bloodied all over the place and taken kind of out of the elements and did a more of a hardcore style match. And we could kind of see why now as they went against the pretty much what I'm calling the kings of the extreme kind of matchups, SGC. Uh, with all the tables, ladders, and doors that they seem to find themselves uh, using during the matches, I was expecting another crazy three-way match of just violence and shit all over the place. And yeah, that's what this one was. Yep. It was fun. <laughs> it was one of those ones where I kind of also like think like SGC is just like, all right, fuck them kids time. We got to make them earn it here. They want to be on GCW. Mm -hmm. They're going to earn it. And Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers definitely did take a lot of shots during this match. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay, watch it. Go back and watch it before I even do too much more describing because there's a point where it hits the old SGC split screen yeah. and it's a triple screen. And there was a point where on each screen, each man had a weapon swinging at another man who did not have one. And it's really hard for me to describe three screens at one time. <laughs> but yeah, this thing started off a 3v3. There were no tags at all. Chairs and doors came out in the first minute. Um, I, I love watching it. Reviewing it is really hard. Mance was cut on a barbed wire door fairly quick. There was a spot where Jimmy throws a door at Manders and his head makes this huge fucking dent in the door. Jimmy, I wrote down here, Jimmy is a CTC, a CTE machine tonight with these headshots. As Mance is being put through a door, I see Marcus Mathers throwing a door on someone outside of the ring. This was a perfect example of craziness is what I wrote here. Dylan was somewhat quiet in this match. I don't know what was going on there, and that's perfectly fine. Not everyone has to shine, you know, in every single match. I just noticed that Dylan was here and there, and then, you know, it, it, the spotlight was elsewhere at that time. There's a spot where Marcus was slammed through barbed wire door on the outside of the ring. Lloyd was getting back that receipt of those chair shots I was talking about earlier. He got tied up in the ropes. The old-fashioned tie-up in the ropes and fucking justice laid into Lloyd. And I could have sworn that was a receipt because, man, did he hammer on Mance earlier. And he was he he dropped that, man. He hit people quite a few times pretty damn hard. And then Justice just wrapped him up. And if you're a fan of chair shots, you better get it in now because I don't know how long they will be yeah. around. But there are people that are still willing to do it. You better enjoy it because old school ECW ch style chair shots are gone. And if you're ever on my, you know, on my Twitter, John J. Wolf, you can see there where I had a, a video I posted. I think it was last night. So probably two nights ago, once you hear this to where um, 
there was a shot with Mick Foley getting just completely obliterated in the head at an ECW show. And it was the first time you hear Mick make a noise when he gets hit. You never hear Mick make a noise when he gets hit with a chair. Yeah. Fucked him up bad. Yeah, I know this spot with Jimmy, that kind of got a lot of people talking online as well about the whole protected headshots with chairs and stuff like that. I Well, you can do what you want as a performer. I get that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right? That's what I was just about so. to say. I'm like, hey, this one didn't seem too out of the ordinary to me. I mean, I guess for a lot of outside viewers, that might be a little bit too much of seeing, especially if you're not used to seeing the unprotected chair shots as as we kind of used to Matthew Justice giving himself his own head shots with the chairs. So I mm -hmm. didn't mind it all. I get the discourse on it. I don't mind it. Discourse is fine. Um, a lot of good points were being brought up. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of controversy on that. Uh, not a lot, but I saw some online. I think it was Chris Nowinski tweeted about it. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that's his thing. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like that's one end of the spectrum. And then you got the other end of the spectrum with these wrestlers who are doing it all the time and i don't know I, I didn't mind that one that one wasn't too bad to me as the competitors they can do what they they know what they're capable of and what they're capable of taking and i didn't mind it at all but i know that did get kind of brought up on social media a little bit but i don't have any thing to say positive or negative about it it was what it was and it, it looked cool but i could see people getting wound up and for their well-being which is of course fine that like a lot of people took it the complete wrong way as another reason just to shit on gcw for no reason other than they don't watch the product and they don't fully understand of what this product is all about everyone just kind of always says death match death match death match not realizing that that's one out of 10 matches of the night <laughs> typically of not and not seeing all the great actual in-ring wrestling that happens throughout the other <laughs> matches throughout the night so um yeah your thing on dylan i i kind of think like dylan's one of those ones he kind of is like the spark to the match as like, hey, your his teammates are down. They need somebody. He will just come flying across your screen with a crazy flip. Right, to people, right. Which I, I'm for, I'm all for, and I think that's what I've kind of always seen from him. Um, in these tag matches, is kind of he's like the the Jeff Hardy to come in and get the hot tag and kind of go crazy and do their little spots and get over in that two minute span. But usually throughout the rest of the night, he's kind of just taking the punishment and trying to make the other competitors look good. So I am still a, I'm still a huge fan of Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers. I like the wasted youth. I kind of like how they teamed him up with Jimmy Lloyd because it seems mm -hmm. like Jimmy Lloyd does kind of hang out with those, uh, those, those two a lot. So seeing kind of Jimmy Lloyd bounce between the teams is any way I can get Jimmy Lloyd on my screen. I'm going to be happy for it. whether it be in the team with wasted youth and a team with Los Macisos as Matt Cardona's ring bear that doesn't have the ring. I want to see Jimmy Lloyd whether he's performing or not, because I, I think he does have, when he needs to be, he can be comedic like during the Cardona. But if you want to put on a scramble match, he's there. A death match, he's there. He's kind of like the all-can-do wrestler that, what do you need for me, boss? I got what you need. So I like seeing Jimmy Lore there. And I, don't want, I also want to give a little quick shout-out to Manders, who I think has stepped up a lot over these last mm -hmm. couple of shows of, his in-ring talent, like he he's getting more over too. Like he he's one of these ones who's always busting his ass and just didn't seem to kind of stick on until like lately he's stuck on a lot more. And I think he's shining on like even on, with his stuff in JCW, his singles matches, he's been killing it out there for, in my opinion. So I like seeing him getting the shine on uh, night two and this kind of matchup with SGC.
Well, I was thinking about this whole situation with headshots and chair shots, you know. The, I, okay, so what I think is the performer knows what's best for them. And I think if they're the true professional that they wish to be in their industry, then it's their responsibility to understand those risks and to make the best decision for themselves. So that was kind of like, I'm sitting here poking away with, what should I really say about that? Like, what's my stance? I honestly think that's my stance. My stance is you do what the hell you want because it's your body, but it's also your responsibility to understand the risks of what you're doing. I understand you might not always know the risks, those risks at 20 to 25. So that's where veterans need to step in at 40, 50 years old and go, hey, um, I've heard this before, and I think this might be a great lesson. I think you should take a lot of wrestlers who are in their 20s and make them go live at a, with a wrestler who's in his 50s for just two weeks. And then be like, okay, is this what I want? Is this what I'm shooting for? Is this what I, how, how I want to live? And if anything, they will walk out of that house understanding exactly what they don't want, which will help them to understand what they really do want out of this job. Yeah, and I mean, as much mm. as much people as GCW gets throughout their talent, they're like, as we said, they kind of have their normal like 10, 12, 15 regulars that we always see on every show. But wherever they go, they're always bringing in these legends and other talents where I think... Um, it would be very smart. I'm not saying that they don't do it, but I, I just sit down with them in the locker room, change, and just catch up on some of the stories and learn and get get information from the people that, as you said, the legends of veterans that have been doing this for a long time and let them make their own decisions there. And I'm all for, like you said, I'm all for that because you know what they they know what they're getting themselves into. It's not like it's oh I didn't know a chair shot in my head could cause this no more. They know what's going on, and if that's what they choose to do for our entertainment. I'm all for it. I just hope they're all safe and can live long enough to keep performing that kind of stuff for me for the longest time. So, um, right, right. I, I get both ends. Like I said, to me, this one wasn't like great, like where I, I, I've seen sometimes where I'm like, holy shit, why did that happen? Why did they let this happen? Because it shouldn't have happened. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier with the Dustin Waller, the concussion. I didn't like how kind of Alex Price grabbed him by the head and tossed him out. Like that's totally different. That's an injury status. That's not doing it to yourself to not knowing the risk. Oh, and to be fair, and to be fair, you do have a background in this stuff. So you do understand things like concussions. Am I not yeah. correct there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so it's not just like you hope and for you actually do have some knowledge on this subject. And yeah, I just wanted to make sure that's cleared up too yeah. because you know you you know a little more than the average bear. So your your opinion should have just a touch more weight than say mine. Uh, you know, so you know what I mean, yeah. though. Like, I mean, you've you've went to school. You understand all that stuff. Me, I I know that I've I've gotten my cage rattled once or twice, and that did not feel good. And I know it happens easier every time after that. Yeah, and I've seen people who it just football doesn't do well for people. They don't age well, and you know, and it goes for wrestling too. Yeah, like we had. Nah, I'm not even going to that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is what it is. Like I said, I I didn't mind it. Nothing was too crazy, but uh. This match was pretty crazy and crazy and fun and yeah. uh, kind of brings back. We'll go to the ending, which I thought was pretty <laughs> on par for Matthew Justice, but pretty crazy as uh, a huge ladder is brought out to the ring. Uh, kind of like yes. the one that Cole Radjic did where it's up near the chandeliers where right away you see the referees like, oh, God, please block it. Keep it away from the chandeliers. We don't need another incident <laughs> like Cole did. Um and they're holding Manders and Mance are holding on the bottom through a door on some chairs is Marcus Mathers. And they're holding his hands and feet, kind of not letting him go anywhere. Matthew climbs to the top top and is about to splash him. And then Dylan McKay goes up with him on the other side. 
Gus just grabs him, grabs him into like a DVD position and uh, goes from the top all the way down onto poor Marcus Mathers. And SGC picks up the victory as they pin Dylan McKay after that spot. And I, I'm going to get to your thoughts. Did you see when they, where they landed on his leg? Okay, so initially I thought he blew his knee. I yeah, I thought no he shit. blew I his thought leg he... out. That was like they all the weight, all that height and weight landed right on his legs. For those of you that have not watched and listened, it landed right on Marcus's Mather's legs, not the body at all. It was strictly landed on the legs, and you see like Marcus Mather's his he expression. Didn't, he didn't even like sell at all. He just kind of like his eyes widened real fast, and you see him kind of grabbing his leg and turn over. Like there was no yep. selling of the body injury or anything. So I was kind of wondering if you saw them land on his leg as well yeah and then manders came right over to him to check on him yep. almost which is, immediately which is where manders that that was awesome of him to do i saw that too like i was like good for manders because that did look bad i thought he shattered his leg like i thought it was just shattered and gone like because all that weight was on those legs this is a good match dude yeah I'm really happy with it very fun uh well it wasn't announced as a co-main event but it was the co-main event as it led into our main event of Fight Club Night 2 in the Carousel Room at Showboat Arena or Showboat Casino in Atlantic City, as the main event is for the GCW Ultra Violence Championship, as Rina Yamashita defends it against D. Clope. And just like Drew Parker and Video, this was the match one, the two, these were the two matches I was looking forward to of the night. I. Get why they did this one. I would have put Drew and BDO at the main event, but I understand why they didn't because this is actually for the GCW Ultraviolet Championship, so it makes more sense for a GCW title to be defended in the main event other than a Freedoms title. But once again, I'm looking for violence, excitement, very fun, fun, entertaining wrestlers, facial expressions, storytelling during the match, and lots of good wrestling and violence, and that's exactly what I got and not disappointed and for the main event of night two, what was your thoughts on this man? I was I was realizing that Ciclope has a great personality and it always seems to shine through in one way or another. Do you start to watch now? You're starting to see even more of his personality come out all the way down to him putting stuff on Emil as you know, as the announcing's going on. Um, Ciclope and Rena both throw themselves onto light tubes on the mat just to get themselves started, just to get the energy flowing a little bit. I was laughing at a point where Emil was stumped at what part of the carousel room they were filming in. I, <laughs> you figure somebody who has seen it. Okay, I'm not, so there's I'm not a spot where. Okay. okay, so there's a spot where Ciclope goes over and he grabs. I'm guessing it was some light tubes or a ladder. Off the top of my head, it doesn't matter the weapon, but he goes over to this area and you can see there's a bunch of weapons over there ready to come to the ring. But he's like, what part of the ring is that? You could probably see it in the first couple of minutes. I have of this to go match. back and check that out. And then and then they start to pull out and they're following Ciclope back to the ring. And you can see that it was the wall just to the left, our left of the ramp where the entrance is. OK, so you know how there's the curtain. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking at the curtain on TV, just to the left, there's a wall that runs along there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and there was a bunch the right of right side that, is where all the merch is and all that stuff. And on that left side yep, you're talking yep. about is usually where the, all the shit sits. The production yeah. is, yeah. And the production area is over there, too, because I just remember that area where SGC was fighting. <clears throat> and they were, like, right by all the, the stuff and, like... <laughs> That's why I miss KG. KG goes, oh, my God, they just touched the, the production equipment. Brett just had five heart attacks. Like <laughs> that was the funniest thing. I know exactly the area yep. you're talking about now. I, I get it. 
Yeah, and I, it was just funny seeing the fact that Emma was kind of stumped on that. He's like, where in the <laughs> hell are they? <laughs> uh, they were legit wrestling. It was nice to see there were light tubes everywhere. This should have really just been called a light tube match because there was so much glass being thrown around in this thing. There was a spot at minute seven where Rena d- does like a Finley roll with Miedo onto a pane of glass suspended on two chairs and a barbed wire board. Wow. Uh, there was another spot where Rena did a dick twist on Miedo and Mito, Miedo gives her a kiss. Ciclope. That was, oh my gosh, I put Miedo, <laughs> I didn't that, yeah. <laughs> I Oh my good. gosh, I put that a couple times hey, on my a, notes. That was a long no. night that night. <laughs> oh my God, Ciclope had a suplex, a superplex from the top of the ladder. Uh, this totally could have strictly just been a light tube match after I'm, you know, towards the end of this thing. Glassed everywhere, 13 minutes in, and there is a 20-foot haze around the ring from all that spooky dust that's come out of those lights. It was just, wow. Uh, There was a barbed wire spot where both had wrapped their arms in barbed wire and was punching each other. And at about 16 minutes was the spot where I felt like they did everything they kind of needed to in this match. I felt like anything more than that would have kind of almost cheapened the impact of the earlier parts of the match. Around, yeah, 17, 18 minutes in, I'm not thinking about that amazing spot at minute eight or seven, but some of the spots at minute seven or eight, five to 10 years ago, would have been a finisher. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying there, but this was a 20-minute match, and it was fantastic. But yeah, 15, 16 minutes in, I'm like, they've gotten their point across. They're going to kick the shit out of each other. You know, when the when the blood is gone and it's down to just that dried shit on your skin, I mean, they're they've bled out. They're good. So, yeah, wow. what I, a good good main event, though, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Rita kills me. I think she got to stop doing these barbed wire spots. So because it seems like every time she does a barbed wire spot where she has to go through it, her hair just gets caught in into it every mm-hmm. single time. And I was like, this time they were ready for it, though, because after like last time it took forever to get her hair undone from it. You can tell this time they were already right there with the scissors or the cutters, yeah, the, the yeah. barbed wire cutters to kind of get rid of it. So at least they were prepared for that one. But yeah, this one was violent. I th- I loved it. This <laughs> For an ultra-violent match, this is exactly what I expected, exactly what I want from this. And as you said, it, what, it's not just always ultra-violent. Like, they do great wrestling for, like, minutes at a time without touching a weapon. And that's why I think that's where the GCW ultra-violent division steps, their deathmatch division, whatever, stands out more than others companies death matches especially even the some of these death match companies because they're not just swinging tubes at each other non-stop they could tell a story without the weapons they just find a creative way to add weapons in match and make it ultra violent and this absolutely was one of those matches yeah i loved it it was fun rena and that that ac crowd i uh, she's just over with them it is it's great to yeah. see like yeah. i love seeing that because you see it she loves Every time on night one, her just getting so excited to see Tremont come out and seeing her just enjoy all the love and she's getting from the crowd is just amazing. And I love, I love how the Los Macisos kind of have their little thing now going with Emil uh, J with the entrances being announced in Spanish yep, yep. and putting on the glasses and putting on the um, the headphones on them too. It's been, uh, it was awesome. This was a fun way to end a crazy fun weekend. And uh yeah, night two in my mind kind of blew night one out of the water just by the in-ring action and violence and everything. I did love it being inside too. Like I said, if they're gonna do these two shows uh weekend at the AC, I would love for them to do one night outside, one inside because you get to see 
the that two, ocean. Yeah, oh. you get to see two great views and two like it still keeps the iconic <clears throat> home of GCW inside the carousel ballroom. Yeah, I'd like to know if they have something to cover that mat in case it rains. I'm just now thinking about that because I don't think I've ever seen anything in the way of a anything to cover it, and that would be expensive too. Oh yeah, that'd be damn expensive. But yeah, this last match was a fight. It was a great way to finish it. Um, Rena just keeps going over and over and over. I mean, she's just winning and winning and win she's she's doing us proud. She's conquered what conquered two continents with that belt now. Yeah, I love I love. Yeah her being the champion because she when she is out here she's defending it and making sure it's out there and it doesn't feel like she's been gone for too long like her like usually it was like months like way more like than two months it was like five six months we would only see them really come out for these tournaments of ngi or tos was when we kind of would get the japanese talents to come out here for these the big tournaments which is kind of cool but it's only twice a year well now we're seeing Come out for the bigger shows, which I'm all for. The bigger shows of the mm -hmm. year, Fight Club being one of them. I'm all for bringing the the international talent in and seeing what they could do because they've stepped it up and they've earned quite a bit of quite a following out here in the states. And I just love seeing it because Rena is absolutely killing it, and she deserves being the Ultraviolet Champion. Um, as she does pick up the victory, as she uh, taps out Miedo with a camel clutch, as her arms are wrapped in barbed wire, just to add in that little bit of ultra violence at the end to make sure he gets the victory over Cyclope. But this was amazing. Yeah, the ladder spot was kind of crazy because there was no doors or anything underneath. It was just straight to the mat, which is mm -hmm. cool seeing because we always see it through the door, but seeing it go all the way to the mat and kind of seeing their body, like their bodies bounced a lot on that to on that landing too. They bounced way up in the air. I remember seeing like a side angle on the replay and they showed like how much air they got from the landing of that superplex, which was nuts. But yeah. These I love those Macisos, Rena, Drew. They just give me those four at it all the time, and I will be a happy camper. And end of Fight Club Night Two, I definitely ended up being a happy camper, other than that rat bastard, uh, Charles Mason. Oh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, he was a rat bastard though. He fucked up a storyline that I wanted to see too this time. So fuck him. <laughs> Nasty Leroy, you're uh, you got some money coming your way since I stole your rat bastard comment though. <laughs> That will lead us into our memorable moments of the evening. Don, I will let you go yeah. first. I do got a couple that are a little different than yours. Oh, you mean you don't okay. have the one that says Oh, the first Leo? one I have. Yeah, the first one I have. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. It was really good seeing him back. The, kid, the kid's automatic. He's damn good at what he is. I'm 42. He's a kid to me. I can say that. <laughs> Uh, Cole losing was sad to me and was sad to many of the other people in the crowd. You could tell they were kind of uh, a little, little bummed out about that. The Oliver Wayne Young Pillars. I, I think it's an interesting name, but again, we're not really building this company on Oliver or Wayne together. Maybe Oliver. I misspoke there. Oliver, yes, Wayne. Wayne's going to be gone in a little while to to uh, to a different place, and that's fantastic too. And if it's the Moxley treatment, there's a chance we may not see him back over there for a while. Yeah. So it would really be shitty to kick one of the pillars out from under our building in two out in two years. Uh, it was nice seeing Bailey back. I'm a big fan of Speedball, and I'd like to see him as much as possible. The last three matches were absolutely exciting, and I put down here just as a joke: SGC equals CTE. But <laughs> it was just, it was just funny. It was just. Man, it was like watching old ECW, dude. 
and you can't even really deny won't. it because I mean, didn't I'm pretty sure Matthew Justice was teaming up with Joshua Bishop, and their team name was CT. So, yeah, know? like yeah. we we we're allowed to make fun of it because they do. So uh, hmm. no one come after us with the CTE talk. We get it. We understand it. We don't mind the yeah, discourse, but it. don't come attacking us because we have different opinions on it, and that's absolutely fine in this world nowadays. Yeah, I think I just I think it. Oh, gosh, I just uh, I think it's horrible. Every person can do their own as long as they're I mean, to each their own an adult. But as but they also need to know, man, they need to go sit with someone who don't have their brain about them, too. Yeah. And then understand those things, because I'll tell you right now, man, if I was 21 years old and I wanted to be a wrestler, the last thing on my mind is how I'd feel at 60. The first thing on my mind is how quickly I could get in there and get that glory. Yeah. How much money am I going to get yeah. before 25, let alone if I'm walking around at 60? Yeah. 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 Uh, my memorable moments. Yeah. Leo at the beginning. Um, him winning the match. I was kind of hoping that was end up being a number one contender match. Um, I don't know if I said it earlier. It kind of did as Leo Rush will be going against Nick Gage in LA at the yeah. UCC for hit him up. And it will be Nick Gage's first title defense uh, in the Ukrainian. Oh no, maybe I could be wrong. I don't want to say that, but uh, in a long time, uh, the title defense at the Ukrainian cultural center and having it be against Leo, which I'm all for. I kind of hope, uh, Leo stuns the world and pulls out an upset and starts showing up on GCW more because I do like seeing him showing up. The same thing with Gresham. I like how they announced just Gresham again for another show or weekend of shows coming up here soon. So anytime I get to see Leo on my screen, I'm going to enjoy it. And him having a chance to beat Nick Gage for the world GCW world title, I'm excited just because of if Leo's going to get crazy with Nick Gage or not, or if he's going to kind of dictate the pace as we kind of seen some other wrestlers do against Nick Gage in the past. Um, Another one was Dustin Waller. Big shout out. Hope, glad to see you're okay. Hope everything's all right. Hopefully you recover and we get to see uh, you again in a GCW ring soon. Um, Paul Radic, yes, losing. I was disappointed in it, but now knowing what we know with DDT and the kind of uh, they're working together with GCW for the collective, I'm kind of excited to see what DDT brings to the collective weekend and what Joey Janela does with being the double extreme champion our DDT and GCW. We'll see what kind of craziness he does with uh, both belts. Um, yeah, fuck you, Charles Mason, interrupting <laughs> Oliver and Nick Wayne's match against Bussy. That was a great matchup. I would like to see them run it back without any uh, interferences from rich assholes. And Yamato against Mike Bailey. Awesome. I want to see more Yamato in on GCW um, programming. And yes, Rena, Drew, Los Macisos killed it. Excellent. Give it to me more often because you four are absolutely making all these matches very enjoyable, very fun, very violent. And I don't have anything negative to say during any of these four competitors matches because they're at the top of their games right now in the death match setting in my eyes, um, especially Drew Parker. Like I said, I think Drew is the prince to Nick Gage's king. And whenever he gets that title, hopefully... We're going to see a lot, a, kind of a new GCW, I think. I think they got a lot of great ultraviolet talents going on. And we got NGI coming up. So we'll see what kind of comes out from that event as well. I'm, I'm just excited for what GCW is doing in the future. Their, their shows have been killing it. Yes, we had a kind of a little rough beginning tonight. But ultimately, as always, they find a way to leave the fans or have the fans leaving the show happy and looking forward to the next one. And I, that's exactly how I feel now. I, we uh we will be covering the next two shows, the Columbus show and the Detroit show. Um 
at some point, hopefully this week. We'll see because <laughs> we still do got to do. We might skip JCW and um, the settlement series part, whatever it is now. <laughs> we might just add that on later when we have time. We kind of don't want to fall behind the main kind of storylines and everything going on with GCW, but we will get it out there. Just might not be in as a timely manner as we are used to doing with those shows is that we might just pop out of order there to kind of catch up a little bit faster, but we will cover them. We just might not be as in depth or anything because those are kind of been just more entertaining shows and shows to kind of end a contract status. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love, love fight night uh, fight club night too. It was fun. Uh, the whole, the weekend was fun, but night two for me was way more enjoyable than night one. And that will wrap it up for GCW's fight club night inside the carousel ballroom at the boat uh once again thank you thank you all the listeners out there that have uh i know we didn't put out any content last week we were going to try to like i said play catch up we're going to try to do uh the columbus and detroit shows that just happened this last weekend um with gcw i know if you look on cage match and just their schedule in general they did seem to go or they didn't seem to they went to um mexico on the weekend of the 15th and 16th and did a couple shows out there but unfortunately they have not been posted uh on fight tv i guess they're supposed to be posted this week before the la show uh, supposedly so whenever they do put out uh the gcw uh mexico tour the two shows was at vanguardia G gcw and then zona 23 versus gcw whenever those get put out on fight tv um once again, we might cover those after we do the LA show because the LA show will be right after these two shows. And since they all come out at the same time, those two shows kind of were just a lot of fun, very uh, violent and crazy matches out in Mexico that they had. So yeah, just, looking forward to it. Yeah, we might just add that after we do the LA show and kind of catch up just for specifically GCW shows. But we will cover in some sort of fashion JCW versus the world settlement series part four. Vanguardia and GCW and Zona versus G. But our next episodes will probably be GCW Drop Dead and Moment of Clarity that happened in Detroit and Columbus. And then this Sunday, we have GCW's Hit Him Up in LA. And hopefully, we'll start playing catch up again. Just thank you all again for being patient. You, we apologize for the week off. Stuff was happening, life happens. But this podcast, just like GCW, We'll keep going and going and fucking going until we're all. That's right. On behalf of myself mm -hmm. and Mr. John J. Wolf, we will catch you guys next time on GCW Plant Podcast episode 30. We're going to get up Ooh. there. We're catching up there to episode 100. Uh, any last words you want to say before we send them out of here, John? Uh, just on my personal side, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, everybody, for being uh patient as we get these things kicked out we're back at it yes and if you guys have anything you want to say or questions don't be afraid to hit us up on twitter uh i'm at gcw plant podcast john is at john j wolf is it mr or is it just john j wolf just under oh. it's just john j wolf yep um and so yeah hit us up on twitter if you have any comments questions suggestions feedback and we will make sure we attend to those and if it's any questions or comments we can make a make a little section on the podcast and answer any questions and just any questions or feedback that you guys might have once again on behalf of myself mr john j wolf you guys have yourselves a good night and 
Long, Long live, live G-C. G-C. I had to fuck it up. We were doing too good. W. w. Ah.